Welcome to the Legal Sector Resilience Podcast, a series of one-to-one conversations with the people who are passionate about helping you create strong, relevant and thriving legal practices, led by me, Emma Waddingham, editor of Legal News Wales. Expect discussions around technology, pricing, people, culture, compliance, leadership, finance and more to help inspire you to confidently invest in the tools and solutions to help elevate, sustain and grow your legal practice. I'm Emma Waddingham, editor of Legal News Wales and host of our Legal Sector Resilience podcast. Today, I'm joined by Sean Jardine, founder of Big Yellow Penguin. Big Yellow Penguin aims to help lawyers and law firms address what Sean calls the melting legal iceberg, and more on that later, and move on from 20th century practices and culture in the legal sector. Sean is known for being an early adopter of practices that we now see as the norm, from embracing mediation at the turn of the millennium before commercial mediation became mainstream uh, to delivering webinars before Zoom was a thing and implementing one of the most high profile change management programs in the high street legal market while at Brotherton's. Sean is now a consultant. He shares his insight, experience, wisdom and support to professional services across the UK. And I'm very grateful for his time today. Hi, Sean. It's lovely to see you. Hello, Emma. Thank you very much for the introduction. Oh, thank you very much for the invitation. Oh, you're very welcome. And the introduction, I hope. (laughs) Um, It's almost, I don't know how, but at the end of 2022, uh, it seems to get faster and faster every year as these years fly by. Um, How has the year treated you? And how's the sector shaping up uh, in, in this kind of new wave year, I suppose a lot of people are calling it? Oh, well, I've had a great year, actually. I, I, this this month, uh, end of November, December, is my first year trading anniversary. I've oh. had an absolute ball, um, met some brilliant people, uh, working with some lovely firms. And uh, so I think the legal sector, at least, there's certainly enough to keep me busy. And uh, lots mm. of people inquiring about what I do, which is fantastic. Good. Oh, that's excellent. Always really good news. Um, and, and now I first met you, Sean, when I interviewed you for uh, a national legal business magazine around, uh, we couldn't believe this earlier, about 10 years ago. Um, and at that time, he was, you were still at Brotherton's and I was really inspired by the fire in your belly and the no holds barred narrative that you offer uh, to show the legal sector what it should and could be capable of to stay resilient and relevant. Um, I followed Sean's journey and through... Um, Uh, Now through Big Yellow Penguin, he's here today to talk about value pricing, what it is and how, if successfully executed and adopted, it can be a radical positive turning point for law firms. Now, Sean, I mentioned this podcast um, and value pricing to a few law firms I've been meeting over the past few weeks and some financial service professionals recently, and they all did the same thing. Okay, they they sat back and they looked up around the table and they said, yeah, yeah, this is a bit of an issue for us and definitely an issue. Um, for any law firms that we're working with if they happen to be service providers. And in, in every marketing meeting I've ever had as a consultant, and my other hat, you know, I always ask, you know, what what makes you the money? What are we focusing on? What will help you grow as a business? And and if they do have that data to hand, which isn't always the case, um, they're saying, well, actually, you know, we know what doesn't make us money, and we seem to do an awful lot of that. But but we probably have to do it. So you know, it's just one of those things. I mean, is that a kind of a familiar situation that you find yourself in when speaking to law firms? It is, and it, do you know what? It goes from the 
sole practitioner on the high street up to firms that are multi-million pound turnover. Okay. It's the same problem. Quite often, law firms don't know what makes them money. Mm. They don't actually track their products, their services to, to know what they're, they're actually doing. So they can't interrogate their systems to say what are our profit, most profitable lines. And because of the way that we allow our lawyers to price their work, there are some times that we just make no money whatsoever. We don't mm. understand discounting. And um, as a result, we leave huge amounts of value on the table. And yeah. value-based pricing is just really trying to get hold of some of that value. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, with that in mind, give me the elevator pitch on value pricing. Um, I, I've, I've said this before to somebody, and it was quite a long elevator ride, but I'm pretty sure you'll nail it. Um, and what it could mean for the legal sector. Okay. It, it, it is nothing more than arriving at a price that is fair to the client and fair to the firm and capturing some of the value that we create. If you think of, of lawyers, right, we all are used to living our life in six minute units and giving advice. And it's not the six minutes that it takes a lawyer to give a client some advice that we charge six minutes for. It's the six minutes, and in my case, the 36 years that it's taken me to know how to give that answer in six minutes. And we all know that old joke about the engineer who tapped an engine and sent a bill in for £2,000 and the boss of the factory said, look, I need an itemised bill. And he got an itemised bill for £2,000. It said, cost of hammer, £2, knowing where to tap, £1,998. <laughs> That's what it is. It is actually just trying to, you know, legal profession is full of fantastic people who will fight for the nth degree, you know, for their clients' rights and et cetera, et cetera. But when it comes to actually asking for some money for what we're doing and getting some fair value, we're poor at that. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 I know we've spoken about it before and I'm sure we'll come on to it, but um, things like the pricing transparency probably hasn't made that conversation uh, any easier um, either for, for other clients or or for perhaps for law firms. Um, now, is the, so is the sector embracing, embracing value pricing? Um, is there a bit more of an understanding about that and, and, and how it might affect their law firm? I think more and more people are making inquiries, and that's because there's more and more pressure on, you know, the billable hour. There's more and more pressure on our staff in terms of uh, mental health issues and things like that. Mm. Probably the uh, in 2017, I went to a conference in America, and there we had the god of value-based pricing, an American called Ron Baker, who's written six books on the subject, and there were lawyers from Canada, Australia, lots from America. Uh, South Africa, I was the only Brit there. Wow. And it, it, and I've always been interested in the subject. So actually, there's much more in terms of value-based pricing being done in Australia than there is over here. Mm -hmm. And funnily enough, it's uh, uh, with another hat on that I do, I run something called the Legal Iconoclast, a group on LinkedIn, all welcome to join, where we actually did an event uh, back in September and we did a study, a, a thought leadership piece about that. And we surveyed through an independent company, uh, 68 law firms. And those law firms, from all, they were all from around the world. Those law firms expecting growth of 10 to 30 percent are all embracing value based pricing. Those firms who aren't are expecting their growth to be stagnant or decrease. Really? And I think that, yeah. says, that says quite a lot because, you know, those people who take the plunge are, are reaping the benefits. And another report that I read recently, 
they interviewed eight lawyers, seven of whom said, yeah, yeah, really like to do value-based pricing, but we can't because it's hard. Right. Well, that's, not, yeah. that's not an excuse. It's a project. <laughs> Just plan the project and deliver it. Absolutely. And, you know, from from my perspective, when I come in through um, from a marketing angle, um, you know, these questions, they always goes back to what's making money for your law firm and what's profitable and where's your effort. You know, for me to try and get new work in, it has to be the kind of work that you have the capacity to deliver, to deliver, you want to, to deliver. And it's going to make you money and keep your people happy and um, and do everything that your clients need you to do. Um, and, and it's kind of what can't you just do a marketing campaign? <laughs> I'm really trying to help. So it's there's so much that's interlinked here. It's not a standalone project, um, but but possibly part of a bit of a, cult, a massive culture shift as well. I should think. Absolutely, and that's that's how we get to the the, the book. Our iceberg is melting because it's a book about change management. It's a fable about penguins that so have got to find a new home, and if they don't, their iceberg is going to uh, explode, and all the penguins are going to die. Now I've been banging on about this since 2014, waving John Cotter's book. Uh, our iceberg is melting. And I think if we could get to on a value-based pricing side of things where you think about this as a unique selling point for a law firm, we, the law firm, will never deliver you, the client, a bill that you've not previously authorised. Say that again. You, we'll, we'll never deliver you a bill that you haven't previously authorised. And people think, wow, that's so radical. Guess what? There are people doing that already. Yeah. And there are people offering gold, silver, bronze options to clients. What is the price point you want to pay, client? And that's important because, to tell you the truth, it's our clients that determine what is valuable to them, mm-hmm. not the lawyers. And half the problem that legal profession is we think we know what our clients want, and we don't. And there was a LexisNexis Bellwether study, I think it was in 2016, where the great report that said, lawyers, what do you think your clients want? And then clients, what do you want from your lawyers? Yeah. And guess what? There was a big disparity between. I bet there was. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that. you know, again, that kind of that branding, that positioning statement when you suddenly start to explore, well, what is it our clients value about us? And they're very different things, which can throw that whole exercise up in the air. Um, but, but you know, when you're going through that, it, it, you should be looking at everything, not just how the pretty pictures of how you look. It's it's such valuable information. And we I, I have that report and I'm going to share it and also a link to the book that, that Sean's obviously mentioned um, and possibly even a picture of you in a penguin outfit delivering there. Um, which I think is fantastic. Uh, I shouldn't think there's any eyes off you when you're on the stage. Um, so what are the benefits, um, obviously, firstly to lawyers, but uh, but also to clients of value pricing? Well, clients, it's, it's cost predictability and certainty. That, you know, they, they're being given a price and they're being told what it is. They can then decide whether they're going to accept it. There's going to be no surprises. It's going to it's going to be scoped. We're going to tell the client what it is we're doing, what we're not doing, and and the assumptions that we're making when we're delivering this price. It reduces mistrust. Mm-hmm. The clients will get access to the talent within the firm for a price. You can't expect to have a partner led project necessarily being the same price as a newly qualified led project. So we can actually give clients price points based on the who's going to do the work, mm-hmm. and ultimately. Clients don't care how long something is going to take. What they want is an outcome. They're not interested in the inputs of the law firm. And so if I said to you, I could do something for you, Emma, it is going to save you a million pounds, but my fee is going to be 20 grand. Mm -hmm. You might turn around and say, 
That sounds reasonable to me. I'll agree it. But yeah. it might take me six minutes. But you're not going to ask for the itemised bill because I've agreed a price with you, £20,000. I've saved you a million pounds and you're very happy. Yeah. So, And then we get for you a complaint with the yeah. firm. Most of the complaints in law firms are about communication, about costs, about what happens. And it's much better if you're a law firm to find out that the client is not a good fit for your firm has got problems with the price that you're proposing. Let's find that out at the beginning before we've done the work. Yeah. Not at the end when we've done the work and then we're trying to get paid for it. So, you know, I think law firms, one of the challenges is we don't have to do every bit of work. Yeah. We've just got to try and do more than our fair share of the good stuff. And those clients that don't value what we are doing, the firm in, in question, whoever that might be, then it might be that the client's not a good fit. They should go down the road and instruct somebody else. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And and in terms of, you know, then you, you've, you've got work that you want to do, the benefits to the firm, I, I, I'm expecting you to say something along the lines of also including the well-being and the, the talent retention side, because you've got people who are doing a good job and they feel like they're getting the value that they deserve from that. They can move on to other stuff that they enjoy doing um, and they're getting paid a fair rate for that as well. You know, it's good for their good for their targets. Absolutely. And the thing is, if you're working as a team and you've got a, a team target and a job comes in and the, 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 the price is £50,000 for doing the job as a team and, you, and we've got that, the team are going to work as a team. There's mm. going to be no hoarding of work. We're going to delegate properly. We're going to explain to junior lawyers, this is what you need to do on this one. Go away and do it. Come back when you've got a problem, yada, yada, whatever it might be. So morale improves. We lawyers don't have to start worrying about their lives in six minute units. Mm -hmm. There was one firm in Australia the other day oh, made me weep. They proclaimed a new method of their time recording policy. And that was they had switched. They had moved away from the six minute unit and they have gone to a one minute unit. Uh, Can you imagine working for that law, law firm? And, you know, I imagine all their staff just updated their CVs immediately. Yeah, right. You know, it's just madness. So, but if, if we're saying to our clients, we're just going to give you a fixed price or a choice of fixed prices you choose, mm. then we can get on, we can do the work, we have less complaints and, you know, morale improves. And if I, you know, I, I'm a lawyer coming to the end of my career. If I was a young lawyer now, I'd be wanting to work for a firm that had that business model. Absolutely. And, you know, talking about that, switching the value from being a time spent on a case to the input and outcome that you're having, it just it, it's com it makes common sense to me just listening in as an outsider. Um, you know, I don't want to be charged for however long it is. And that's and that's also an impression that some consumers have of lawyers or, you know, a bit like taxi drivers. They're going to drive all the way around the houses and then give me a whopping great big fee for something uh, that's probably very easy to do. But actually, it's not easy to do. That's why you're speaking to a lawyer um, and you'll pay what you're happy to pay for to get the right outcome. Absolutely. And you hit the nail on the head, Emma. It is Outcome, outcome, outcome. And, and do you know what? Lots of lawyers don't know what we sell. And what, when I work with clients, I say, look, what is it that you're selling? Mm -hmm. And a, a Will's lawyer quite often says, I'm, I'm selling a beautifully dra drafted will. I say, yeah, okay, that's a bit of paper. What is, what is it? What is, what is the client buying? When it comes through, what does the client want to buy from you? Oh, they're buying a will. No, they're not buying a will. And eventually we'll get to the fact, well, 
they want peace of mind. That's why we're, we're, we're getting a will. Somebody comes as matrimonial, a matrimonial, what are we buying? We're not buying affidavits and divorce petitions and forms to fill in about finances. What we're wanting to buy is happiness because yeah. we're in an unhappy relationship. We need to get out of it and future happiness. And it's all of these things where if we look at it from our client's perspective, what do, what do they come to us for? It is that they're usually in pain or they want to gain something, pain and gain. Mm. Pain, I mean litigation, pain and matrimony or something like that. Gain, I want to buy the house of my dreams. Or gain, I want to buy this business, be my own boss. And if we think of it from a client's perspective, none of them are saying, I want to come in and buy lots of bits of paper from you. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we're going to generate the paper. Fine, that's what we do. But what we want them to do is have that dream house, get out of an unhappy relationship, you know, move away from an employer that is being discriminating against them or something like that because they're in pain. And it's all of this stuff where we have to do a mindset and understand what people are buying. And that's that's once we can get to that stage, then we can talk about what the outcome is and get you where you want to be. And to you the truth, it's a much better way to practice law. Absolutely. And uh, it really echoes some of the comments that, that I'm having when even on a basic level, when you see a law firm's website and the pictures are all of law books, oh, you're not yeah. selling the law. <laughs> selling. That's not what you're selling. That's not what people want. They don't want kind of dusty books anyway. Um, yeah. But equally, that's not you're not helping them identify themselves on your site, they, you know, in terms of their pains and gains that, that they need. So um, this yeah, absolutely this is, is all the same page as I'm on. And I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. Um, and in terms of I mean, the people and then you look internally, don't you? Because whatever you're putting out there, to to clients um you have to have be on board internally so you've got people that may not be lawyers triaging in the first instance having those value based pricing conversations um so how how do we you know how does that work within the value pricing field it it, it can be looking at the customer journey when when a call comes in and mm. And again, people think this is absolutely radical in law firms. It's not radical in retail. If if anyone wants to understand customer journey, Google Starbucks customer journey and understand the journey that you go through when you're buying a coffee. So we need to understand how clients come to us and how they're dealt with. And I've worked with firms where they might have two, two or three offices and the journey in each office is totally different and some is really good some office is really good others it's not so good well let's just work out what good looks like and replicate that and we can train people to have conversations one of the things about value-based pricing one of the hurdles is people lawyers don't like talking about money don't necessarily like talking about how much this is going to cost because sometimes you know, sorry to burst people's bubble. Sometimes lawyers suffer with low self-esteem and don't think in their own minds that they're worth their hourly rate. And if we think of it in hourly rates, you know, they have these hindering thoughts that, oh gosh, I'm not really worth 300 quid an hour plus that. Um, It's an awful lot of money. Um, You know, and what we can do is create prices for clients. You don't have to get back to a, a client with a price immediately. And I advocate actually speed is bad for pricing. Slow the process down 
Because to tell you the truth, Emma, if you were talking, if I was a builder and I say, Sean, could you come around my house? We're, ha- we're thinking of having an extension built. Could mm-hmm. you come around today at four o'clock? If I turn up at four o'clock, say, OK, Emma, show me around. I'll get a tape measure out for a bit. And then I say, yeah, OK, it's 4.15 now, Emma. I've got to go. But by the way, the price is 187,000 quid for this ex- two up, two down extension. Is that all right? You're not going to be impressed that I did it really quickly. No. You're going to think, hang on. He hasn't asked me about the fittings or the bricks or the architraves or the light switches and all of that stuff. So we can take time to take a problem away Mm. and scope it because what we're not going to do is give the same price to every client. And why is that? Because every client is not the same. Every legal problem is not the same. And if we can get that into our heads Mm. and start looking at these as separate individual projects, because guess what? Some clients aren't nice to deal with. Some clients are difficult. And if they're going to be not nice to deal with and difficult, they should be charged more. Yeah. We shouldn't actually say, well, we're going to carry on give you a price for the client that is an absolute dream to deal with. If, Mr. Client, you're one of those that falls in the brackets of a pain in the rear. Yeah. And, and that's a whole new way of thinking for us to, to do that. And... I come up with what I call a lawyer scoring matrix where the lawyer's got to ask themselves some questions and come up with a scale from one to five. Five is an indication that you've got to charge more. And it might be, how busy are you? I'm really busy. Okay, that's a five then. Can you delegate this? No, I can't. I can't delegate it. That's a five then. What has this client been like in, you know, just on the so far in terms of dealing with you? Are they a kind of client that will come in with a beautiful file that is all paginated, indexed and with a chronology? Or are they a client that's going to send you already 108 emails, some of which have got attachments to them? Uh, and if they're that kind of client, then they, they should be a five. Mm. Um, do you like this client is a question. And if you don't, score them five and then all of this stuff points to the fact that we need to charge them more yeah yeah absolutely especially or you know or walk away from it but if it's the kind of work that you can do and charge more for it to cover the pains internally then you should absolutely well, we, we certainly, uh, certainly, I do. Oh, I say I do that. Luckily, I don't have to choose uh, work with clients that are difficult. All my clients are, are, are brilliant, but um, you know, you do have those. You, of course, you've got to make those decisions, um, and whether they're going to take up a lot more time than than is needed as well. And of course, that takes away other work that might be more exciting and more rewarding. Um, and going back to that kind of happier working life, that that could be a real issue. So, I mean, but then how does this um, work up or does it um are there problems with this and then transparent pricing transparency for example but the thing is that if if i give you a, if you're coming to me with a, a a legal problem i need to scope out what that problem is i need to ask you what a, what a result looks like that is good for you now the thing is about the legal transparency regulation so what, what we've got to give an indication of a range on conveyancing matter for example yeah well actually if you sit down and have a chat with somebody about conveyancing well one of the one of the factors is going to be how quickly do you want this done we know that during the stamp duty holiday actually lawyers were falling over lawyers have left the profession because they burnt out because of the amount of work 
I don't think lawyers put their prices up anywhere near high enough for doing all of that work. And, you know, as a result, we've, we've got burnout. We, the, if, mm. Consider this for, a, you know, a radical idea. If you double your prices and you lose 40% of your work, you're still making more money and yeah. you're going home early. And we know there's another stamp duty holiday that is going to uh, expire at the end of March. And guess what? There will be more pressure on conveyances to get those jobs completed because someone's going to want to stay, save the stamp duty quite naturally. But that speed is, should impact the price. So what we ought to be saying to our clients on that case, is it's going to cost you more. And mm -hmm. the, the pricing transparency regulations, you will see that the, the, some firms interpret in a different way. Others will give ranges. Others will put up an Excel spreadsheet. So that's the price. And I think that is fundamentally wrong. I think we ought to be having conversations with clients and giving them bespoke prices for what we do for them. Mm. And of course, that, that that narrative can go on your website as well. You know how you what, what is your how you work with clients? Like our promise Absolutely. to you, our culture, how we work with you. There's no, there's nothing. To, you know, you shouldn't hold back from explaining how you work with clients because you're listening to them and you're taking the time to listen and make sure they've got um, a solution that works for them. So it's it's a, it's a lovely kind of marketing um, message there as well, isn't it, about the culture. Absolutely. And it, 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 it always makes me smile when I look at law firm websites and they will say, and uh, I imagine many of your listeners will have websites that say this, we put the client at the centre of everything we do. They'll <laughs> say that on their website. And then it will be, here's an Excel calculator, work it out yourself because we don't want to speak to you. 100%. Yeah. You know, yeah, absolutely. It's nonsense. Have a conversation. It's not hard, is it? We're doing it. it really isn't. And I mean, but inevitably, all great ideas right, present a challenge. Um, and you said that you know, it's, a, it's a project. Um, so what are the biggest or perceived obstacles for law firms that want to move forwards then with value pricing? OK, um, we've got to bust some myths. OK, so mm. the, the, if we think about this, we've got to get over the fact that all customers are good customers. No, they're not. OK, mm -hmm. we've got to get over the fact that we think customers are ringing around all of them. No, they're not. If you've been recommended because you are a great lawyer and you've been recommended to, to by someone, my friend said I should contact you. They're not ringing around. OK, yeah, we've got to bust the myth that there is a going market rate for this job. No, there's not. People will go, what, 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 Sean, what, Sean? No, there's not a going market rate. What people will tend to do is look at other people's websites or ring around other firms mm -hmm. and then embark on a race towards the bottom. There'll be a price chaser. Do you know what? Let's be price setters. Actually, let's go. Let's go. Let's say we, we will charge more for these jobs for doing it the way we're going to do it. The problems when you embarking upon one of these projects is it is a change management project. Lawyers don't like change. Okay, so we've got to get, we've got to be able to scope out the project, and we've got to be able to convince the lawyers this is going to be beneficial to them, and it can be done. And it involves HR, it involves marketing, it involves business development, it involves the operations stuff, because what we've got to do is help lawyers unlearn what they spent their whole careers learning up until now. We've got to learn to speak with our clients about the thorny subject of money. 
and fees. And funny enough, when I was with a, a client two weeks ago with a, uh, doing something with the Wills Trust and Probate team, somebody piped up on the Zoom call uh, and said, I have absolutely no problem speaking about money. But then again, I am Polish. And I just thought, wow, ah! hang on. It, you know, it, 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 you know, she, and it was absolutely wonderful. And I was very keen to get this lawyer involved in this project. Mm. So, you know, it might be a cultural thing. It's a British us. thing, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, we've got to be prepared to turn clients away and sack clients. Okay. If you think of our businesses as aeroplanes, Okay, Air, airlines have got four seat categories, first class, business class, premium, economy, economy. And with chances are we've got too many clients in economy demanding a first class service and we're not looking after the people in first and business class. And we've just got to actually think, do you know what? I do want to spend more time in first class and business class with those people. And so we've got to get used to turning work away. Mm. We don't have to do everything every every bit of work that comes through the front door. We've just got to do more than our fair share of the good stuff. And like all projects, it's a, it, there's an element of culture change in it and it takes time and to get it embedded. But honestly, if it, you can start the journey, it, it really will bring rewards because it brings rewards, not only in firms of actually lawyers quite like giving fixed prices mm. and not having to say, oh, it's gone out of scope, I need to charge you more. Once they get their heads around how we can actually create agreements that deal with situations of scope creep and scope seep, as I call it. And once we get people trained and get that training as part of the onboarding process, when people come into our law firms, it's a lot easier. Yeah, absolutely. And in in the last podcast I hosted with um uh, with the iron uh, from Validian, we're talking about you know investments in technology and looking at processes and efficiencies. And and he was like, you know, let, and this I mentioned to you that I was speaking to you because he was like, we well, take a step back. And he said, in most cases, it may not be tech that is the solution. There are other things that are stopping you from making a profit. Bit or from being more efficient, uh, you know, and when you're starting to look at, or well, how much should I be spending on tech and how much is coming into the business? It's like, do you even know how much is really coming? Is the right amount coming into your business? So um, it was really interesting having that chat with him because as, even as a, as a, you know, as a tech startup and not in the legal sector, uh, they just work with him. They were already understanding that space because their conversations they have themselves about the value of their piece um, and what they should be charging for it so um you know it's not it's not just refined to the legal sector is it oh absolutely not but and tech is an enabler that, mm. you know it, of course that's fine but it doesn't take away the fact that we still have got to have that conversation mm. with the client we've got to say you know, do you know what one of the best things you can ever say to a client is why why do you want to do this and I, I know it's, it's not my story, it's a story from another law firm where a, a, a couple came to the, the lawyer, they were selling a hotel, big hotel, lots of employees, going to be a great bit of legal work. And they're saying, we've decided we need to sell our hotel. And they, they own this hotel, been in the family 20 years or something like that. The lawyer said, why? Why selling? And the couple said, well, actually, we've got three children uh, one of our children works in the business with us and he's, he's, he's getting married. And do you know what? We don't like the person that he's getting married to. And we're worried about whether or not the, the, the business will be available to all of our children at the end when, you know, when we're too old. So we decided uh -huh. now we're going to sell it 
and divide up the assets between the children. This lawyer said, well, if you're worried about the way the business operates with the shares of the company, you don't need to sell the business to do that. We can just do a shareholders agreement. And they went, oh, didn't know that. So they, yeah. they, they, they had a potentially, I don't know, a six-figure job that became a five-figure job in a shareholders agreement. And I guarantee you that though, that family, those people who own that business are absolute advocates for that law firm yeah. because they became the trusted advisor. Because the lawyer asks, why do you want to do what you're doing? And actually, there's another solution. So we we have those conversations. And that comes back to the let's not assume we know what is important to our clients, because the way we value things, value is subjective. It's not rational. It is contextual. You know, if I say to you, why is it that people queue up at midnight to get the Harry Potter book when it comes out? Uh, yeah, it's madness. I think yeah. it's madness. Not for people yes. who are Harry Potter fans and want yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Know, why do people buy Apple phones when most tech people will tell you that they're not as good as an Android? And the answer is, well, we like them. Why do people buy different cars? Why do people have different watches? And the answer is, well, we just like what we like. So mm-hmm. let's not assume that we know. Yeah. Um, and value ultimately is a feeling. It can be a feeling. We know in our guts if we've got good or bad value. Mm. And that and that's what we need to, as lawyers, try and actually look at it a different way and think how are we creating value, how we can capture that value, and then how we can put together prices that mean we can actually, A, make more money, but B, give the clients more certainty as well, and then mean that we haven't got to live our life in six-minute units. Absolutely. Um, the, the, the dream. So um, so what are the low hanging fruits then in terms of rolling out? If I was rolling out value pricing in my law firm, uh, I'd say what kind of service areas are there? Some that are easier to do than others to see how it's working. What? How How do you advise your it's, client? A, a lot of it is to do with the courage of the lawyer. Uh, right. For the hourly rate, you need a calculator. Mm-hmm. For value based pricing, You need some courage because you're going to ask for a number uh, and you're going to scope out something. And then we're going to say, I can do this for you for this price. So there's an element of sometimes the low hanging fruit will come from the lawyers that want to embrace this stuff. Okay. Um, We can then think about, look, let's think about gold, silver, bronze as options. We when we get our cars washed, we know there's a menu and we decide which one we want. And you can gold, silver, bronze. A legal service, and that can be based on the talent that is going to deliver it. It can be based on the speed of communication. It can be based on the fact that um, are we going to use uh, portals to communicate with you or are we going to give you our personal mobile numbers and you can ring us at any time, night or day? Different price points. So it is a question of taking a, a deep breath, thinking how can we come up with these versions and lots of lawyers will say oh you can't do it for my area of work and i'm saying bull the dash ish you can (laughs) when you think about it and get creative um and people will say oh litigation you can't do that on litigation and the answer is yes you can and if you think about dropping a pebble in a pond and lots of concentric circles 
that first the hub of that concentric circle is what we know so if i if if emma if you've got a boundary dispute with your next door neighbor you come to me sean can you help me with this boundary dispute i know i can draft you a letter before action so that's the first circle i can think i can give you a fixed price for that i then can the second circle out your next door neighbor is going to say to you do one of three things they're either going to do nothing they're either going to write back a vitriolic letter themselves mm-hmm. or they're going to instruct their solicitor who will write back a, a vitriolic letter. So I can predict those are three three options there. Mm-hmm. Once we get wider from that, I don't know what's going to happen. But I can say to you, Emma, our price one and two for you, those prices are going to be this and this. How does that sound? You might think, yeah, OK, I, I'm happy with those prices. And then I'll tell you what we get when we get to stage three once we've got there. Yeah. And that's how we can do it. You decide. The, the customer decides, you, you know, if that is value for them. And what, see, because you're happy with my problem. That's my problem that I see right now. Yeah, It's the pain or the gain, isn't it? You know, I, and, you know, all, all you want is that to be resolved with your next door neighbour who, you know, for whatever reason, people have fallen out with each other, you know, mm-hmm. and usually the boundary is about is the tool because the neighbours don't like each other. The boundary just happens to be the weapon. But then, <laughs> yeah. that's Absolutely. another webinar there. That absolutely is. Yeah. Um, so, so what? So, what can we do then? To so we're all. So I'm sat here. I'm engaged. I want to do it. I think I've got some of the courageous people on my side, and I'm really interested in this idea of having some nice, even the bronze gold silver bronze packages, some nice boundaries internally. But how are we working with clients? Love it. What do I do now? Okay. Look, it's a project. Now, I'd love to sell you that I was the man behind writing the book, Our Iceberg is Melting. I'm not. John Cotter from the Harvard Business School, one of the world's leading authority on change management. Buy a copy of his book. It's a story about penguins. Okay. It's got pictures of penguins in it. One of the penguins has got a briefcase. So I yeah. de- lawyers can identify with the characters in this book. And then you understand the eight steps of project management. And they are briefly create a sense of urgency, pull together a guiding team, develop a vision and a strategy, communicate that vision and get buy in. Allow your people to act, empowering them to act. You've got to celebrate the short term wins that you get. You've got to implement and sustain that change. And the last step is you've got to create a new culture. Now, around all of those eight steps, there are things that you can be doing on a value based pricing project to do that. But you've got to accept that this is a project that needs to be led from the top. Mm. It's got to be led from the top. It's got to become part of your strategic objectives to say we're going to do this. This isn't a little project that you can delegate down to to, you know, uh, someone in the firm. It's got to get management buy in. Because if all of a sudden you're going to say to people, yeah, part of this is we are going to look at sacking some of our clients. You'll get people saying, oh, no, no, you can't. You can't sack yeah. Fred. He's a brilliant client. He's an old, he's it's one of our me. oldest clients. Yeah. yeah. And, and Fred might have five bills outstanding yeah. for over six months. Well, he's not a good client, I'm afraid. He doesn't yeah. value what we do. If he valued what he do, he'd pay his bill as soon as we send it to him, not allow six months to get racked up. Mm. Um, so it's it, those are the... the those are the challenges that we have. That's how you're going to go implementing any project. And anyone who's been involved in project management will know that you've got to create these steps to, to be able to deliver that. But honestly, every long journey starts with a single step. And, you know, I'm working with firms who, you know, 
there's lots of hindering thoughts initially with the team that gets assembled. In the book, you're, there's characters, there's a character called No-No, a penguin called No-No. There's, oh, no, 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 that won't work around here. And, and every organisation has got penguins that are No-No in them. And guess what? When you read the book and you understand the characters, we're all No-No penguins at certain times. We're yeah. all Alice's. Alice is, is the great is, is the great doer in the book. We're all Alice's at times because we're going to do it. We're all be Fred's, the, the analytical thinkers at certain times. Uh, but the important thing is, we embrace the talent that we've got in our organisation. We understand who can, who's good at doing what. And then every long journey starts with a single step. We get on and we, you know, we JDI, we just do it. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely, and and going back to that, so a lot of the conversations around recruitment and retention, particularly retention, and let's talk very quickly the conveyancing market. You know, for an individual who the, the the cap now on salaries is to the to the roof. You know, we can't put prices up anymore. In fact, they've probably overpriced the market now for conveyances because of people moving around during the pandemic. Um, so what else do you give them? You give them ownership of the type of work they go. On. They they get to go home on time. They get to enjoy their relationship with clients. They feel like they're making a difference. They've got a good relationship and they're being paid well to do it. It just to me that you know it it's just everything is kind of covered by this ability to take on and be confident in in what you're pricing and 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 moving the business forwards in that respect because it has a knock on effect as well, doesn't it? It focuses your business development and marketing teams. It you know sorts out. It can help address your cultural issues as well and how you're pitching yourself out to the market. So there's there's lots of things here that are an additional benefit to just money um, as well. So um, I, I absolutely will share all the links to this, Sean, for people to, and also for people to contact you to have, um, pick up the phone and and, and have a chat um, as well. well. I love talking about value-based pricing. I, I know. I, I, I probably, I probably, people think, oh my God, I need to get off the phone. He's still going. But you know, <laughs> I, if anybody's got any questions, give me a ring. Oh, I'm so grateful. Thank you. I'm sure um, our listeners will be as well. And that, look, we all like to end on a high note. Um, some recent success stories to share to really bed in um, that value. OK, uh, a firm that I'm working with at the moment and we I start every session with them about what's your success is. What, what, what you know, give me some good news. What have you Celebrate. done? And yeah. I had. Uh, an employment lawyer say, oh, you know what, Sean, I, tr- I tried to, you know, I decided to give you gold, silver, bronze of work. And I said, well, it's not my gold, silver, bronze. I said, You're the one who came up with your own criteria. You know, w- what What happened? He said, well, he said, I'm really busy. Uh, the, the client wanted a piece of work. And I said, look, I can do this work for you. I can do it in four weeks time. I can do it. but And it'll cost you two thousand pounds. Mm-hmm. I can do it in two weeks' time for you, but it's going to cost you £5,000. Or for £8,000, I can do it tomorrow. The client chose the £8,000. No way. Absolutely. Guess what? It was valuable to them, the, the speed that it could be delivered to. Now, I think prior to us doing this, he said, I I would have just done it for £2,000, worked all night, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's just one of those things where let's not assume our clients 
you know, want what we're going to, you know, here they want what we're, we're going to sell them. They wanted the legal documentation that this, this guy was going to create. But mm-hmm. let's not just assume that we know what the value is. Let's try and find that out and give them some options because there you're going to get reactions like you did, which was a no way. And I'm a great believer that we will never get a pump fist price, you know, a price that goes, yes, yeah. we I never get that, that price unless we ask for it. It's so true. And I, having spoke, caught up with you a couple of weeks ago, I actually put it into action for myself. And I had at least two pump this moments because I feel like I'm working on a project that I love and getting paid the right amount for it. <laughs> you know, for once, it's a hard conversation to have. But actually, they did, there was no quibbling because they, they knew the value. They could see that. They want to work with me. They get it done in the time scale that they need it in. And they're happy to pay. And it's fair for everybody. You know, it's not, I've gone, not gone ridiculously over the top. It, it's fair for me and it's fair for them. And it's such a good feeling and it's so motivating. Um, and so on a very small scale, you know, if I can pass that on as well as the success story, I'd be happy to. <laughs> well, absolutely brilliant. And um, the invoice to you will be in the post later. <laughs> I'm sure, sure. Thank you. Uh, look, it is an absolute pleasure. I could talk to you all day um but i know we'll stay in touch and i very much hope this isn't the first and last time we speak um on the podcast but i thank you for on behalf of myself and the listeners and as i say i will share all the links um in in the piece and if you're listening to this um on spotify or apple or any podcasting app just visit legalnewswales.com forward slash insights look at the podcast and you'll find this conversation with sean and myself so thank you sean thank you so much for your time today Thank you very much for having me, Emma. Have a great day. You too. Thank you for joining us. All our episodes of the Legal Sector Resilience podcast are available on LegalNewsWales.com with further signposting or on all good podcasting apps.